Wonderful to be back with you, C3 again. I never have to pray about coming to Cambridge because, as many of you probably know, I have grandchildren here, so any opportunity at all to get to spend time with my grandchildren, I always say yes to. Actually, Paul's jealous. My husband was with you in January. Um, he got to be here then, and I missed out, but now he's missing out this weekend. Although, having said that, he did phone me at that weekend because I wasn't there doing all the running around after the kids, and it was about 8 o'clock on Saturday night, and he went, I'm exhausted, I'm going to bed. <laughs> um, but it's, it's wonderful to be back with you again. I was thinking about what I wanted to share with you today, and I was just reminded, uh, around the autumn time we had a holiday, and I was walking along the beach, which is one of my favorite things to do. And when I'm beach walking, it's also my favorite time for talking things over with God and talking to the Lord. And so I was walking along, and it was, a, it was a beautiful day, but it was a blustery day. The waves were crashing. It, it was just one of those wonderful beach scenes. And I suddenly was just overwhelmed by God's creation, which is always why, you know, that's the place where often we connect so easily with God. And I was thinking, you God, you're the king of the universe. You made all of this. It is magnificent. And I was so excited by it. And then I suddenly thought, you are the king of the universe, and I get to spend time with you. It's like I can choose any time to just step right into your presence and have a chat. And you're always there, you're always welcoming, you're always ready to receive me. And I thought, I get a one-on-one -on -one audience with the king, which is incredible. I don't know if you saw that documentary about the crown jewels recently. And when they were promoting it on TV, they were talking about how the guy who was the presenter got to spend an hour and a half with the Queen um, in preparation for this documentary. And they were all going, oh, how amazing, an hour and a half with the Queen, which is fantastic. But you and I, if we have entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, if we have a friendship with him, then any time we get to have an audience with the King, any time we want. And, you know, as I thought about it, I thought, what I love about it, God, is it's not like a garden party. You know, it's, it's not that he walks along and you get one minute or 30 seconds of his time. You get his undivided attention, which is just wonderful. Paul, my husband, he got an invite to the Buckingham Palace quite a few years ago, and he never, ever, ever lets me forget about it. Um, he keeps talking about it all the time. I'm sure you've heard the story yourselves when he's been preaching. He can't resist it. And anyway, even at the time, he used to pick up the invitation and go, um, I don't see your name on there anymore. <laughs> so he does always rub it in. But you know, it would be wonderful to meet the Queen, but you and I had the amazing privilege of this one-on-one -on -one audience with the king of the whole universe. It is absolutely amazing. And so that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about an audience with the king. And I love scripture prayers because I think that they really reflect to us what prayer is all about. And so I'm going to go to a prayer that Paul prayed for the church in Colossae. 
And he starts off his letter to them and tells them how he's praying for them. And I think it has so much to tell us about the nature of prayer. In order to set it in context, I'm going to read um, a good chunk of the first chapter. I'm going to read from verses 1 to verse 13. And so if you want to follow along with me, this is what he says. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all of God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you had already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learnt it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, and this is Paul's prayer, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light." For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It's a wonderful prayer that Paul prays for them. And I think it's a prayer that we can pray over our own lives and a prayer that we can pray over each other as well. At the conclusion of this little section, he says, you know, we've been brought into this amazing kingdom. We have been rescued out of a, a, a kingdom of darkness and we've been brought into this kingdom of light. And of course, every kingdom has a king. And that's why in prayer we get to have an audience one-on-one -on -one with the king. We can come right into his presence. It tells us this in Hebrews, another book in the New Testament. It says we can walk right in. We can walk in with confidence. It says we can walk in with boldness. We don't have to have our, our heads hanging low. Katie read that amazing passage this morning about how nothing can separate us from the love of God. So we don't need to come in apart apologizing. We can come in with our head held high and come right in and talk to him because of what Jesus did at the cross. Because there, he forgave our, enabled our sins to be forgiven. He enabled us to be healed up. He enabled us to be brought into God's family. Anything that separated us from God was dealt with. And so we walk straight in to his presence and he is there and ready and waiting to receive us. And so when I read this prayer, it highlights for me what prayer is all about. And so I'm 
I come from quite a traditional background and when people were preaching and if they were really good preachers, they were supposed to have, well, they were actually only supposed to have three points and they were all supposed to begin with the same letter. And if you got that, then you'd really nailed it. So the only thing was it would never have been a woman preaching, but that's beside the point. So this morning, I'm just going to go the extra mile. I'm going to give you five points, and they all begin with the same letter. They all begin with P. So it's five Ps on prayer, which is six Ps, from Priscilla, which is seven Ps, which we all know is the perfect number. So we're, we're ready to go. So for me, when I read what Paul is saying here, primarily prayer is about presence. That's your first P. It's about the presence of God. You see, Satan has done a number on us. Satan has told us that prayer is a religious exercise that we're supposed to do. And we're all stressed out. We've enough things to do. So when it becomes something that you have to put on the end of your to-do list, you just think, oh, not another thing I'm supposed to do. And then we Christians mostly go around going, I'm so bad at prayer. I don't spend enough time in prayer. I'm not a, I, there's some prayer warriors out there. That's not me. Oh, I'm so bad at prayer. You can't be bad at prayer. It's not possible to be bad at prayer because prayer is simply about relationship. It's about stepping into the presence of God. You can't be bad at that. You just come as you are and you step into his presence. Now, the truth is that when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of you. So he's always present in your life. But to me, prayer is intentionally recognizing that. It's saying, Lord, you're always present in my life, but I'm just stepping in here, recognizing that you are present. And I want to enjoy this relationship that we have together. It's about relationship. When we come together, what is it that we need to experience more than anything else? It's the presence of God. You know, I love coming to C3. I love your worship. I love that people are coming into a family, friendly community who are welcoming and, and, and they experience great worship. But you know, that's not enough. That will not change lives. People need to encounter the presence of God. And that's what I loved about this morning, that as we worshiped, and it's Rachel, isn't it, who was singing out, and she sang out about the presence of God. Because without that, nothing gets changed. And I would say to you, C3, in this year, above all else, Seek his presence. Seek his presence in your lives individually, but seek his presence corporately. Almost, you know, be, be jealous for his presence amongst you. And, you know, even as Pete and Rachel led us this morning, and they're probably off somewhere, but I'm going to say this to them anyway, and, and I haven't met them before, I just felt like the Lord has put them amongst you and placed them here. And you have got a great heritage of worship in this church. And they walk into that heritage. But you know, Pete and Rachel, if you're listening to this or can hear this, I felt as we sang this morning that the Lord was saying that they were carrying something really significant with regard to God's presence. That 
this was something that God had put in their hearts. And I also felt that the Lord was saying to them not to get too hung up on the techniques. We do want worship to be good. We, we do want people who are, you know, excellent musicians, excellent singers, and you've got that. But I would think... Pete and Rachel, the Lord, saying, don't get too hung up on the technique. Don't get too hung up on having it to be just right. Don't beat yourselves up when you have times when it's not going just as you would like it to, because the key is presence. And that's what you carry. And that's what you bring. And I feel like the Lord is saying to you, I wish they were here because I could talk to them. Um, Anyway. Oh, you are here. Oh, there you are. It's much better when you can see somebody. You know, I just feel that this is what's in your heart. This is what you're carrying. And so concentrate on that. And of course, that is to do with, with your walk with God, your relationship with him, that drawing close. Don't let that go. Keep that the priority because as you keep that the priority, then the rest will flow. And so that's what God has for you, C3, to be a church where people step in and experience the presence of God because he knows that's what will change lives. Now, our second P that Paul prays for the Christians here is about purpose. So in verse 9, he says, he continually asks God to fill them with the knowledge of his will. As Christians, we want to know what God's will for our lives are. What, what is your purpose for me, God? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to live out my life? And so Paul says, I'm continually asking God that he would fill you with the knowledge of his will. Because I believe that it is in prayer, when we step into God's presence, that we find out what our purpose is. That's what we discover. And you know, it's interesting because I think as Christians, we get hung up on the exact details of our purpose. You know, what is my purpose, God? What are the gifts you've given me? What, what do you want me to do? You know, what, what job? What, do you want me to say yes to this job or, or yes to that thing? And we get very hung up on the details. But actually, I think when you go to Scripture, when it talks about God's purpose for our lives, it's a much broader thing because God wants us to lay a firm foundation in our lives, to live our lives out in a way that brings honor to him. God wants you to be a people in this, in Cambridge, who when people look at you, they, you are God honoring in how you relate to one another and how you relate to the city, that you are God honoring people. And God wants us to lay a foundation in our lives of his purpose for us. And Paul doesn't leave us in any doubt as to what those purposes are. He highlights it, which is why I read the whole passage. In verses 3 to 8, he tells us about God's purpose for us. He says, it's God's will that we would live lives of faith. It's God's will that we would love God's people. It's God's will that we would live hope-fueled lives that draw other people to want to know Jesus. It's God's will that we would stay faithful to him. In fact, Paul points to Epaphras, who was the man who introduced them to the good news of Jesus. And he said, he's God's faithful servant. You you need to act as he acts. These are the things that God wants for you. So I would say to you, don't get too hung up on the exact thing that God wants you to do. 
this is actually quite enough to be getting on with. <laughs> and the truth is, if we lay that foundation in our lives, then I really believe that it's not like God's will for you is some narrow little tightrope, you know, that you're going to be likely to miss or you're going to be likely to fall off. If you live out God's will for your life in this way, then when it comes to making decisions, God goes, go for it. If you choose A, I'll bless you and I'll be with you. If you choose B, I'll bless you and I'll be with you. It's a, and I think we really have put the cart before the horse because we get so focused on the detail. Let's lay this foundation in our lives of living out God's purposes for us. And then the details are almost incidental. And if God has something that he specifically wants you to do, you don't need to worry because he'll make sure that you know about it. So that it's in his presence we discover our purpose. And we can live in a way that pleases him. We can live in a way that honors him. And actually, even as I say that about pleasing him, please do not think that you have to do all of these things so that when you wake up in the morning, goes, oh, God goes, oh, I'm pleased with you. God's already pleased with you. He loves you. You woke up this morning. I can't help. I'm looking straight at you. But I'm saying it to everybody. But you know something? The Lord's saying it to you this morning. And he's saying, I am so pleased with you, son. When you woke up this morning, you woke up into my love. You don't have to do anything to earn my love. I want you to know that that's where you walk. You walk in that confidence that you have a father who's proud of you, who loves you, and you don't have to do a thing to make him love you more. It's true for all of us. It's true for all of us. Sometimes God just highlights it for people just so they can carry it away in their hearts. But you know, it's true for all of us. So don't think I'm saying this, that you would do this in order to get God to love you. It's exactly the opposite. It's because he loves us that we say, God, I want to live in a way that brings joy to your heart. You know, if you love somebody, you, you do, well, for the most part, you want to please them. I still won't sit down with Paul and watch football. I just can't do it. But I did watch the rugby yesterday, and we're not going to say anything about that. <laughs> so if you love someone, you want to please them. So we live this way in order to bring delight to God's heart, not because we're trying to earn his love, because we've already got that. So prayer is primarily about presence. It's not a religious exercise. It's about stepping into his presence. It's enjoying his company. And in that context, we discover what our purpose is. But this is also true when it comes to prayer. When we step into God's presence, we get perspective. Perspective is part of coming to God in prayer. And Paul prays here for, these, for this church. He says, I want you to know God's will is, and I want you to know it through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. I couldn't tell you the number of times when I've gone to talk to God about something that he totally changes my perspective. That he makes me see things through completely different glasses. <clears throat> and I run in and I'm worried about someone or something and God begins to change how I view that person or change how I view that situation. It's his wisdom. We're not wise enough. We, you know, we, we can't see the end from the beginning. He can. 
And so therefore, he can give us a perspective on things that completely changes things. You know, that child that you're concerned about, that you're worried about, you know, instead of worrying out loud to God about them, say, God, show me how you see them. Give me your perspective. <coughs> and then when God shows you them as he sees them, then you can really pray. Then you can pray about their potential and not about their problems. God can change our perspective about situations. Those of you in business, in the workplace, you come up against problems all the time. And sometimes it's difficult to find the solutions. Step into the king's presence and he can change your perspective. He can give you creative solutions to things that you hadn't thought of before. He can show you how to see things from a different perspective and bring his wisdom into that setting as well. And again, when I do this, I don't seek to embarrass you. I just am trying to listen to the Lord and bring a word of encouragement to some people. And there's a gentleman, and you're in a blue gray blue sweater and you've just looked down at your sweater and you actually have glasses on and I just feel like the Lord really wants to encourage you this morning and um, I feel like he's actually taking the current spiritual spectacles off and giving you a brand new pair I think he's just I think you are a person who sees who is sensitive to you in the spirit I mean that's sensitive to what you see and I just feel like the Lord is sharpening your focus and that there are some things at the minute that he wants to give you his perspective on. Um, some things that you've been talking to him about. And I just feel like as if the mist is clearing. And the sun's coming up. And things are coming into focus. And as they come into focus, you will have a sense of a yes in your heart and in your spirit. And it will set the tone, I think, even in terms of what this next season is going to look like for you. I just feel there's a perspective change, coming, a deepening of the seeing that is, that is already in you. And for all of us, as we step into his presence we get this sense of perspective. I mean, even two weeks ago, I was worried about something and I came running in and talking to God. And when I'm anxious, I talk very fast and I'm talking, telling God all the problem and what I'm so upset about and blah, 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 blah. And in the middle of it all, and it's so like that song we sang this morning, I just felt like the Lord said to me, Priscilla, breathe. And as I just slowed down and began to breathe, and I love that idea of he's closer than the oxygen we breathe, I did get that sense. There's, in the Old Testament, the name for God is Yahweh. And that's what it felt for me. I was going, Yahweh, Yahweh. And I started to think, you're the God who parted the Red Sea. You're the God who brought the walls of Jericho down. You're the God who met with your people right through the Old Testament. And you're my God. And why am I so concerned? Why? And you know, that's true for all of us, isn't it? It's as we, as we come into his presence, he changes. He reminds you of promises he give, has given you. And he says, these are the promises I've given you. Let those promises give you a fresh perspective on what I'm doing at the moment. So in prayer, we get perspective. And then in prayer, as we step into God's presence, 
he releases his power to us. And we can't survive on our own. We're not clever enough for this world. We're not wise enough for this world. We're not powerful enough for this world. We need the power of the Holy Spirit flowing in our lives. Again, we need that power individually. And we need to be a people who say, Lord, we're not going forward unless your Holy Spirit goes with us. That's what they said in the Old Testament. We're not going there, God, unless you're going with us. And... The world teaches us that we should be self-sufficient and we should be self-reliant. This is countercultural. But as Christians, we're saying, God, we're not self-sufficient. We're not self-reliant. We absolutely need you. And as we step in, if you're feeling powerless this morning, I would just say, come. Step into his presence afresh. He says, it's not by might. It's not, Pete quoted it, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. We dare not keep continuing without a reliance on the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Life is too complicated. There are too many dreadful things happening in our world that we are incapable of doing anything about. We need the power of God to be flowing in our lives. And Paul is praying this for them. He says in verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. If we live prayerless lives, we will live powerless lives. It's when we're stepping into his presence, when we are breathing him in, when we're saying, fill me today, Lord, with your Holy Spirit, that is when that power is released to us on a daily basis to live for him. And so I love that William Cowper, who was a, a writer of hymns, he said this, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. And I think it was E.M. Bounds who added, because he knows we go to fetch strength against him. Don't measure yourself, oh, you know, I'm, I'm this kind of a Christian. I'm not a very good Christian. I'm not very mature. When you come into the presence of God, all the power of the king becomes available to you. He doesn't look at you and go, oh, I'm just going to give you a little bit because, you know, you don't measure up. He just pours himself out on us. He pours himself out on us. And he fills us with his power. It's the weakest one. You know, what does the Bible say? My strength is made perfect in weakness. You come in all of your weakness. And he fills you with his power. And that's why Satan has done a number on us. You know, he's tried to sell us this view of prayer, which is totally, totally wrong. You know, this thing about it being, you know, you need to say the right words. You need to do it in the right way. You, you know, you're not, a good, you're not good at praying. It's nonsense. He's tried to do a number on us because he knows that that is the source of our power and our strength. He knows that he needs to tremble when we go and step into God's presence because then we are able to push back the kingdom of darkness and see the kingdom of light expanding. And don't we need that in our world today? 
And then the last thing that we find whenever we step into God's presence is that in prayer, we get perseverance. And we all need that strength to persevere. Paul prays, so that you may have great endurance and patience. Many of the New Testament letters, as the writers write to these churches, they're saying, don't give up. Don't give up. Keep going. Don't abandon your faith. Keep on, keep on going. Because they were under intense pressure. They were under intense persecution. And Paul and the other apostles knew how easy it would be to walk away when you're in that, in that time. And there are people in this room this morning, and you are in a very difficult season. And this is the time when you need to hear God say to you, don't give up. Don't give up. That's why being together is so important because as the people of God, we get alongside each other. Sometimes when you can't pray for yourself, you need people around you and, and they're praying for you and they're holding you in. That's why we need one another. But also, sometimes when we're going through those difficult times, we withdraw from God. And I have done that. We, we, instead of stepping in, we step back. But it's when we step in that God comes with all of his strength and he goes, I know how hard it is for you at the moment. Please do not believe that because you're going through this difficult time that somehow I'm on the sidelines just observing. I am right here with you. I want to pour my strength into you. I want you to be able to stand. Again, you're a young man and you've got a denim jacket on. And uh, I just feel like the Lord... There's a call of God on your life. God has his hand on your life. And I think he's just wanting to pour incredible strength into you. And, and I think he wants to teach you how to walk through the hard times as well as through the good times. And, and that as you do that and you prove his faithfulness and you prove his goodness, I just feel like you will have influence on many others especially if, if they're going through hard times, that you will be able to speak words of hope and speak words of encouragement into them. There's something, I see you standing. I see you standing and I see you standing tall and I see you standing strong. And I just feel like the Lord is saying, this is a time, son, when I want to pour my strength into you as never before. It's for the good times, but it's also for the hard times so that you keep on persevering and keep on going. And for all of us, that's what God is saying to us. I don't want you to give up. I want you to keep going through the winter season, through the winter season, because spring is coming. We're supposed to be getting a lot more winter next week, but spring is still coming. And God says, don't give up. Don't give up. I was talking to a friend last week, and she's going through a really hard time. And she said, Priscilla, I just, the only thing I can do is stand and say, God, I still believe you're good, and I still believe you're faithful. And she said, I have so many questions, and I have no answers for them. But you know, if in the winter season you can stand and say, God, you're good, and God, you're faithful, that's enough. That's enough. 
And that's all God requires of us. He wants us to stay true. He wants us to persevere. And as we come to him and into his presence, that's when he pours the strength into us not to give up. And it also helps us to persevere in the things that we're talking to him about because it's not instant. Sure, it's not. It's not like you ask God for something and you get it, which I so wish it was. I want it yesterday rather than even today. But it is this thing of, then we remember what Jesus said, ask and keep on asking, don't give up. Knock and keep on knocking, don't give up. Seek and keep on seeking, don't give up. It's the constant, constant message of scripture. You know, if you came to Jesus simply thinking that from here on in your life would be easy, I have such bad news for you. And the gospel's supposed to be good news, but the good news is, that through the hard times, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He didn't promise us that it would all be easy. In fact, Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. He actually said that. And sometimes when we pray about something and it doesn't happen, we get so disappointed. But the Lord says, I want you to keep on. I want you to persevere. I want you to give up, not to give up. And it's in that place of his presence that we get that I'm going to keep going, God, because I know that you're a good and a faithful God and that you love me. And I want to live in a way that honors you. I want to live in a way that is fulfilling your purpose in my life. I want to live in a way where I experience your presence and power on a daily basis and I get to see life from your perspective. And so God calls us today to that one-on-one -on -one audience with the King. And in a moment, we're going to stand together. And the worship team are going to join me. And I suppose my final encouragement to you is, even as it's held here in Paul's prayer, is persevere. Persevere to understand God's will for your life, his purpose for you. Persevere to grow and become mature in Christ. Persevere to patiently endure the hardships persevere to grow in your relationship with God at the end of this year, that all of us would be able to say, God, because I spent time with you, because I was in your presence this year, I actually know you a little bit more. I know you a little bit better. That's what I love about growing older, even as a Christian. It's there's always something more to learn. We get to learn more about who he is. In fact, we're going to spend all of eternity because we'll never, ever, ever plumb the depths of how amazing he is. We want to finish this year. I know you better, Lord, because I've got to spend time with the King. You know, before you stand, I want you to think as you're standing that you're stepping into the presence of the King. He is here. He's here by the power of his Holy Spirit. But I want you to intentionally think, as I stand right now, I'm stepping in to the presence of the King. And you might want to take a few moments and think, what, what do I want to experience right now as I step in to his presence? Do I just want to have that sense that he's here? Do I want to experience that sense of his closeness and the reality that he's putting his arms around us? He loves to see you coming. He loves it. He doesn't go, haven't seen you for a while. He doesn't point the finger. 
He welcomes us with open arms. You might need perspective this morning on that situation you're facing, on that person you're praying for. Then step in and say, Lord, give me a fresh perspective. Maybe you do need to have a fresh understanding of his purpose for you. And step in and say, Lord, would you reveal that to me? Would you show me that? You might need to say, I need your power, Lord. I need to be filled afresh with your Holy Spirit. Just come as I step into your presence and fill me up. And some of you, some of you need the strength to persevere. And as you step in today, let him pour that strength into you afresh. Why don't you stand with me? Step into the presence of the King. And you know, as we've all stood, perhaps some of you are saying, I'm standing, but I've actually never really experienced stepping into the presence of God. I don't know Him. I don't have a relationship with Him. Well, then this would be a wonderful morning for you to step into His presence for the very first time and say, God, I'd love to have a relationship with you. I would love that I would have a sense of being forgiven, that my past is dealt with, that I get to have a new future with you because of what Jesus has done for me. I'd love to begin that journey today. And in a moment, we're going to pray and we'll all pray together and you might want to pray as well. And perhaps it's been a while since you have been really walking with God. And this morning, you're stepping into his presence and you're saying, I want to renew my friendship with you, Lord. I want to come back. God loves homecomings. It's his favorite thing in all the world. He loves them. And you might want to come home this morning. So why don't we all pray together? You might want to pray something like this. God, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me. God, I would love to start a friendship with you. I invite you into my life. And I step into your presence. I want to begin a relationship with you. Perhaps if we all just kept our eyes closed and we simply do this. I just, if you prayed that prayer as a homecoming or if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I just simply want you to stretch your hand, hold your hand up because we have people here who want to give you a gift and we don't want to miss out the opportunity to do that for you. So if you simply prayed that prayer this morning, just slip your hand up and our, our usher team will come and just slip a, a gift into your hands. They would love to do that for you this morning. Fantastic. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. And now, Lord, as we, we just begin to worship you again, will you come as we stand? And Lord, it's, it's overwhelming. We get to stand in the presence of the King. Would you come, Lord, for those who need that fresh perspective? Come right now and speak those words of wisdom and understanding into their hearts and spirits. For those who need that fresh infilling of power, oh Holy Spirit, come and fill us afresh, we pray. 
Lord, for those who are struggling with purpose, take the weight of the burden of that off their shoulders today. Lord, help them to put in the foundation so that they know that they will hear a voice behind them saying, this is the way, walk in it. And oh Lord, for those who are hanging on by their fingertips and you understand what that feels like, would you come and pour in your strength? Will you let them know that they're not on their own and that you're holding them and you will strengthen them and that you will help them to persevere and not give up? We love you, Lord. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. But above all, you are our King. And we worship you. Thank you, Jesus.